Welcome to the Leadership Upside Podcast with Chuck Carringer, where we discuss what successful leaders are doing, saying, and thinking. Welcome to Leadership Upside Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Carringer. Our guest today is Jim Lipinska. This is actually Jim's second episode on Leadership Upside. Jim began his career with Northwestern Mutual in 2008 and has distinguished himself in the financial services sector. In 2020, Jim was named the co-managing director of Northwestern Mutual's office in Knoxville, Tennessee. In addition, Jim is a founding partner in Axiom Wealth Management Services. Jim, welcome back to Leadership Upside. Hey, thanks for having me back. I, I want to go a, a bit of a different direction. In the, the first episode um, on Leadership Upside when you were here is, is we talked about uh, a lot of organizational leadership. Uh, we talked about uh, how you the three pillars that really underpin your leadership philosophy, the culture uh, that you've strive that you are striving to create and have worked to create at, at Northwestern Mutual and and the significance of team and how you've gone about building a team in from an organizational standpoint and and uh, I would encourage anyone who who hasn't yet heard that episode to, to go back and find uh, Jim's first episode on leadership upside it was fantastic in this episode Jim I want to talk a little bit more about really I want to start with you. And, and in the work you do, um, how you've gone about building your own personal practice, um, you know, it, it essentially, can you share some business development tips, especially for small business owners? Yeah. Um, you think it'd be helpful to maybe give a little bit of context as to what I do for a living? Absolutely, as, please. Okay. So, because I think, I mean... I've been I've been doing this for 12 years and I find most people have heard of uh, a financial planner or a financial advisor like they get the gist of what that is but in meeting with people a lot you know like three or four people a day uh I think there is a little bit of ambiguity and and grayness to what what does a financial planner actually do for me um first off common misconception I see is people think you got to have a lot of money to hire someone to help you out. And that that's just a myth. That's not true. Um, a, a good financial planner can help you at any stage in life. So, um, but really at the end of the day, as, as wealth advisors, financial advisors, financial planners, insurance agents, whatever category you want to put someone in, uh, our ultimate goal, like many other business owners, is to go out and find prospective clients. Really find actual clients we got to go meet a lot of prospective clients to narrow down who your clients are. And I think we're either doing that ourselves for our own business uh, or we're, we're trying to get others to do that uh, on behalf of our business. So I think, I think I'm going to more focus on how do we do it ourselves. And I think the first step is you just got to go out and build a network. Uh, you either already have a network, which most people have relationships already in place. Um, but if you're either starting a new business or you have an established business that you haven't really gone out and promoted, you may have to go back to those people you already know and, and reframe what they think of you and what you do. And so I think that's just the first step is you got to go out and meet people. Like people are like, well, business development, how do I go 
create more sales? How do I go create more revenue? How do I go do all of this? Well, yes, you've got to go bring on clients, but where does that start? Right? You got to get out there and tell your story. I think the best way to do that is to go out and meet new people and really ask them to tell you their story. I think most people like to talk. It's a good thing. And if one thing I found, if if I ask someone where are they from, how they get into the line of work they're in, they're ultimately going to turn around and ask me the same question. And so I think the first step is you just got to go out and meet new people. And I can dive deeper into that. Uh, but then you also got to have like, okay, what am I going to talk about? And you've got to actually put some thought into how you're going to answer those questions, right? What do I do and why do I do it? Which I think is the important piece. Jim, that's, that, that's great. And I would like to, to dig a little bit deeper into that. I, I, I happen to have a, a ringside seat of many of your uh, efforts um, as you were starting out um, in, in your own business and, and some of the things you did. And I, and I do want to stress as you, as you, uh, hopefully share a little bit more of the detail about how you went about meeting new people and how you went about forging those relationships. I, I think what stuck, stuck with me more than anything else is how genuine, uh, you were in doing that, that you, yes, you were, um, meeting new people. And there was a hope that some of these people would become, clients uh, eventually, but you did it in a very genuine way because a number of those relationships I happen to know didn't immediately become clients, but some many of them have become clients years down the road because of a, a really strong relationship. So can you talk a little bit more about some of the some of the uh, tactical actions you might have done for someone who's listening today and said, okay, I've got it. I need to build more relationships. Now, Jim, how did you go about doing that in a manner that that puts you in front of uh, as many people as possible? Yeah. Um, I think with anything in life, when you're trying to accomplish something or do something that uh, is hard and, and, and maybe you're trying to create a new habit or a new routine, specifically here meeting new people, whether it comes natural to you or not, the first place you got to start here is with your why. Like, why, why am I doing this? And if it's specific to business growth, you still got to understand why. What does business growth mean to me and why do I want it? And you've got to be very clear with why you want it because it's not easy. And when things get hard, if we don't understand our why, we're going to stop doing them. And what you just described, you know, a lot, that took a lot of patience. Uh, you know, it took a lot of getting stood up at Starbucks, which is, <laughs> I was having this conversation with one of our newer advisors yesterday, actually. Uh, you want to talk about humbling experiences, you know, first and foremost, get humbled a lot early on. That, that builds character and it really teaches you uh, resiliency and it, it really confirms well, how bad do you really want this? But when you get stood up in a public, oh, the new term that people call it is ghosting, Chuck. I don't know if you've heard that term yet, but ghosting is the uh, millennial term for being stood up. But in any event, uh, getting stood up in a public pace, place is even more embarrassing because some no one really knows it's happening. But when you go up to three or four or five people and like, hey, are you Chuck? No, are you Chuck? No, are you Chuck? And all of a sudden you realize this person's not showing up. Uh, and it's it that happened, uh, we'll say more than once. 
Um, and I, I share that story because we've all been there. And if we haven't been there, if you start trying some of these strategies, it'll happen. And, and I just think it's so important for you to really got to understand your why so that when stuff like that starts to happen, you keep, you keep pushing through and, uh, once you have that in place, then you, you just got to go out and, and ask, you know, it, 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 you, you have to have that foundation and then you have to eliminate the fear of just asking people for a meeting. You know, I know we talked about this a little bit in our first episode, but it's, you know, it's how we met. I mean, you made it a little easy because you offered a free coaching session, but you know, uh, how many people were in that room and how many actually took you up on your offer? That's right, Jim. I, I, you know, particularly in the early days of my business, I made that offer, um, numerous times. And I was always a bit surprised how, how few people relative to the number of people who were in groups that I made it. And sometimes I put a limit on it. Um, but you're right. Uh, not, not everyone raised their hand and said, I want one of those or, or sent me a text or email. Um, I, I really, uh, appreciate what you said about the significance of, of those, um, setbacks that can in the moment, uh, as as you're talking about being ghosted at, at Starbucks. And Jim, I just want you to know, of course, I'm very well-versed in all millennial uh, dialogue. And so, yes, I, I no, I appreciate you telling me what ghosting was. Um, and, and we have all been there, or hopefully, or, or actually we need to have all been there. If we haven't, we missed a step because that is a moment where you really decide how bad do I want it? Because that, that's a, that's a, for many people, that's an embarrassing moment. You know, it, it feels like a waste of time. Um, and, and here I'm standing and it is humbling and it, and, you know, to your point, it does build resilience and that resilience turns into that fire that keeps you going. And air, all of us, all of us experience downturns. Uh, setbacks, disappointments, failures, put it whatever label you want to put on it. I think it's moments like that Starbucks moment where you know your why and you say, okay, hey, this is what I'm I'm supposed to be doing right now. And I'm not going to give up that easy. I'm not going to give up because somebody ghosted me. That was beautiful. I really appreciate you, you, um, you sharing that. That was just fantastic advice for all of us. Let's, let's, uh, I, I'd like to to think now about scaling your business. And so I, I know you, you've been extremely successful in, in your business and, and you've also grown in your organizational leadership responsibilities at the same time. I'm curious for, for others who might be walking a similar journey in their uh, respective professional endeavors. How have you, uh, how have you been able to continue to grow your own business and add a significant amount of organizational leadership. Have you had to do anything differently than you once did? Yeah, absolutely is the short answer. Um, and I'd say this is an area where I'm still learning and growing. Uh, but I'd say the first thing is you just, you have to let go of certain stuff. I think you have to be comfortable with taking risk and then you've got to let go of doing things a certain way. And specifically, if you're, because you, there's, there's two different ways to grow your business, right? You can 
hire a people and build a team to help do operations and support so you can go out and do more client-facing things. And you hire people to go out and do client-facing things on your behalf. And I think a very powerful and important word that I've learned is the word and. And it, go, it, it really is part of the answer. I mean, a lot of the answer to this question is something I've learned from another mentor of mine. Uh, his name's Jim Efner. He's an industry leader and, and his does, does some really good financial planning specific training. But he talks about the, the power of the and versus the tyranny of the or. And I think in order to grow your business, you've got to recognize that. And we, but we, we just, it, I think it's human nature. It's, it's black or white, right? It's this or that. And more often than not, it's, an, it's not, it's an and. And, and something I meant to mention in, in one of the other questions you asked uh, earlier that fits well in this is I think the first, if you had to, so if you had to pick one or the other to start with, I think um, the most valuable time you can spend is in front of your, in front of your prospective clients or in front of your team. So if you're doing anything that's not uh, identifying or building relationships outside of the office or building and identifying relationships inside of the offices, then you're probably wasting your time and you shouldn't be doing it. And one of the things that helped me and still does to this day build relationships externally is to start with just finding top, find things that you're interested in, right? Like don't, don't just go will yourself out and go do things that aren't enjoyable. Like go find uh, hobbies or community uh, boards or things that you actually legitimately enjoy, enjoy doing and just have your antenna up. And once again, I'm not saying go out and sell to everybody you meet that, that doesn't work. Uh, what, you know, if you're, if you're selling you're you're, you're, or if you're, if you're telling you're selling, I think if you're out in the community, getting to know people and hearing their story and, and that's something that I've learned to do. I mean, I had a rule. I was like, I had to, I had to get to know someone at least twice before I could ever invite them in to cut, go through like a client meeting. And I didn't even do that every time. It was more situational. But to your point that you said earlier, uh, a lot of these people that, that you meet, and you got to meet a lot of them. I'm talking like three, four, five a day, not like one, one a week. And you're going to, you know, you got to do a lot because when you do that, you can live with an abundance mentality and you don't feel like you need to rush people through your agenda. You can actually take your time getting to know them. And think of questions you can ask them that will give you confidence as to whether or not they're at a time where they're interested in what you have to offer. And that, that's something that I'd do still and did then is I'd ask questions about them, about their story. And if I felt like part of their story meant that they were at a stage in their life or their career where they actually would benefit from what I had to offer, I'd, I'd ask them. And I think that's the key is don't be afraid to say, hey, like, and, and it's real simple. Once you've done the first part, is either in a follow-up conversation or in a follow-up email. I just say, hey, Chuck, I have so much enjoyed getting to know you. And, and I'm so glad we got to meet. And the more I get to know you and the more I hear your story, the more it reminds me of the situations and relationships I have with some of my very best clients. And I would be remiss. I would kick myself if I didn't at least ask you if there was any interest to just learn more about what we do. No assumptions. No, no agenda other than to learn more. It, it's cool. It, 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 please be okay to say no. 
because I, I value the relationship we're building more than you becoming a client. But if I can add value to your life the same way you've added value to mine, I would love to return the favor. What do you say? Most people say yes. <laughs> so, so Jim, just hearing that, um, there was nothing about the way you said it, if that would have been a phone call or the way I would have read that email that would have hit me as overbearing or, or um, overly focused using me for a business uh, gain and, and discounting uh, potentially the, the uh, connection that we were beginning to build. I thought the wording was, was awesome, but I know what's behind the wording is, again, that very genuine approach that you're okay if now's not the right time. Hey, let's just continue building this relationship. Let me help you in all the ways I can. Uh, one of the things I, I, I want to just mention, and you may want to add to it, is I, I know that you have been very selective, but also uh, heavily involved in the Knoxville community in different organizations. Um, the one you you've had many opportunities, uh, but you've been selective enough to select uh, organizations um, and invest your time where you had a passion or an interest. It was genuine. Um, and as you said, not every meeting did you at all have any intention of turning into a benefit for you, but you've given a lot of time uh, to the community. Would you, in looking back, um, is that time giving um, been a, a crucial part of your business development? Oh, man. Um, indirectly, yes. I think. Um, I certainly think, uh, well, so when I first started that, you know, at the beginning of my career, you know, the way, the way our compensation structure set up, you have to bring on clients to pay your bills. And I never wanted to be in a situation where I put my needs ahead of someone else's, which is really hard to do when you're on a basically all commission, uh, job supporting yourself. And so, uh, I started getting involved in community related things because I knew I needed to meet people, but it went against every ounce of my DNA to try to sell to new relationships. And so honestly, like my initial foot in the door of my community involvement was my desire to need to go meet people because I wasn't from here. I grew up in Florida. And what I found was because of the approach I took in, you know, I'm doing this to meet people. I'm not doing this to find clients. That was the indirect result is actually found. I had a passion for helping others. I guess that's why I chose the career I'm in. And the more involved I got, the more I realized that if I go back to my why, which is once again, important to constantly evaluate and remember that it's impact. And that doesn't just mean impacting clients' lives financially. That's impacting lives of people who may or may not even be clients. I mean, that, that's my goal is when, it, when it's all said and done with, is that I've impacted more lives of people who never even knew who I was. Yep, right on. I, I really like the distinction between, hey, when you were involved in those respective and still are involved in those respective causes and, and, and uh, community organizations, the intent was to add value, to meet people, to help others, and to help the organization. And the longer-term byproduct was that some of these people you meet would naturally, they would see an opportunity 
to do business with you, uh, as opposed to doing the inverse of that and go into it with a very uh, singular focus of I'm, I'm doing this to get more business. Um, I, I think the way you've gone about it is very authentic and and um, and it's a it's a better uh, business strategy. Jim, I want to I want to uh, quickly ask you a, another question. Um, you're in a very challenging um, industry. It's known to be a a, a very uh, your profession's known to be challenging. But you meet with people from uh, all professional walks. Um, I'm curious. Um, because you work with a a lot of uh, strong performers, high performers, very quote successful people, um, and I like I love what you said in the first episode about you know a lot of, of being successful is about being happy. Um, so again, if if you missed the first episode, it was it was uh, just as good as this one, and I hope hope uh, our listeners will go back and and take advantage of that. Can you share with us? And if I limited you to three. You know, if if I said, hey, Jim, have you been able to distinguish three common characteristics in people that you see based on your work um, that are or people you might identify as very high performers? Yes. Um, it's hard to put them in any order, so I'm just going to say all three are equally important. I think the first is they care deeply about something greater than themselves. They put their faith, family, relationships, and impact first, right? Putting, they put others' needs ahead of theirs. And then they choose personal challenges and stick to them and don't let themselves off the hook. Uh, And and it's, it's a, it, it, it could be personal and professional related, right? You know, I do think a very common thing is an example of that is waking up before 5 a.m. If you went and interviewed everybody or a lot of people and said, what time do you wake up? There's a direct correlation with what time they wake up and how successful they are. And once again, you could wake up at 4.30 a.m. and be an elementary school teacher, and that's successful because that's what makes you happy and you're impacting lives. But I would bet people who wake up early to go do that would be more successful in that industry than those who don't wake up early. Yeah, right on. Jim, I, I, you hit a home run there. Um, none of those were were uh, the cliches that we often hear when we think about uh, success tips or qualities. Um, did, was there anything else that you wanted to mention on that question before I, 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 I wrap us up with one last question? Gosh, you make me feel like I know. Um, No, I I just, I think it goes back to really understanding what makes you happy and what's important to you and letting that define your success and then choosing paths in your life personally and professionally that aren't easy because something I've learned both the good way and the hard way is anything that's worth something in your life is hard and you have to fight for it. Yeah, that's great. So true. Last question, Jim. Um, You've experienced a lot of success. Um, You are growing in your uh, leadership responsibilities. You have a lot going on, but yet I see in you a a still a a hunger, a fire, if you will. What keeps Jim Lipinska hungry? 
Oh, great question, man. Uh, I was thinking about that recently because, you know, you, you set these goals, I guess. So the, the, the answer is, um, and this can be good and bad for me. And you know, this, uh, before I've ever accomplished a goal, I'm already setting a new one, right? I write a five-year vision and then I rewrite it three years in. <laughs> and I, I, but it, because when, if you set a goal and you hit it or you don't hit it, it's like, well, what's next? And so a lot of what keeps me hungry is, is I'm just always looking forward to the next thing. And I think that's the key in, and not just, once again, if success is defined by happiness and you doing what makes you happy, well, something I found that makes me happy is I've always got something on the short term and something on the long term horizon that I'm looking forward to, right? This, this managing director transition has been five plus years in the works. And, but it was something to look forward to. Now I'm ha- I'm looking at it and going, okay, I'm having to reevaluate what, what's next. I've still got to master this and I'm going to put everything I have into it. And I'm getting a lot of joy in that, but I gotta be thinking what's, what's next. And, um, and that ties into something that you've really helped me with is if you do that and only that, then you burn out. And you either you stop challenging yourself because you run out of energy or you're beat up. I mean, like it sounds easy, <laughs> but if you don't recharge the battery a lot intentionally, then you're not going to go run yourself through the gauntlet to accomplish your goals because it's not really a goal or a vision if what you're doing isn't uncomfortable, at least at first. And then by the time it starts to become comfortable, you should have set another goal. And we're, we're kind of constantly getting uncomfortable and challenging ourselves is, is I think what keeps me, me hungry. Now, I also think, uh, you know, I, I, would, I would gather to say, I'll speak for myself, but as I've observed, I think, I think really good leaders are a little nuts, right? We're a little, little crazy at times because we intentionally choose to do things that are hard. And I honestly think that's what keeps it interesting. But going back to the recharging is, you know, as you start having a family and your career gets busier, uh, if you don't schedule it in advance, it's not happening. And so you have to be really disciplined with your time management weekly, daily, and annually to carve out time to recharge. I love it. I love it, Jim. So much there. Thank you so much, Jim, for giving up your time uh, to to uh, speak to those listening today on Leadership Upside. Two great episodes. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you, Chuck. Thanks for listening uh, to this episode of Leadership Upside, where we discuss what successful leaders in diverse organizations are doing, saying, and thinking. Today, our guest has been Jim Lipinska. As I've mentioned, it's actually Jim's second episode on Leadership Upside. If you'd like to contact Jim, you can email him at jim.lapinska, and that's L-A-P-I-N-S-K-A at nm.com. Leaders, thanks for being with us today. It's a privilege to get to lead. Encourage you to lead well today. Look forward to the next episode of Leadership Upside. Thanks for joining us today. Head over to chuckcarringer.com for more information.